This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, praise the Lord. I don't get to do this very often, but I'm not speaking this morning, and some of you say, praise God. Actually, I get to introduce our speaker this morning, and so... Uh, I've never done this before, but I get to introduce my daughter. She's going to speak to you today. And so this is Amanda Bullen. So why don't you give it up for her today and we'll let God bless her through you or let the, the scriptures bless you through her. Amen. Thank you. I know it's a big honor whenever the Lord allows um, me to speak in anybody's platform. So I'm very grateful that my dad has allowed me to do this. You know, a lot of you I don't know personally, so a big connection whenever you're a wife and a mom is a picture of your family. So if you have seen this crew walking around, they are mine. This is uh, my husband and my two teenagers. We have a senior and we have a junior. You say, wow, you don't look that old. I know, right? So praise God for that. So as we jump in, Um, You know, one of the biggest fights that we have um, with our teenagers is the few times that we are in the car together and who gets the aux cord or the Bluetooth. Anybody else have that issue in your vehicle? So one of the things that my son likes to say is, Mom, your music is trash. But my music has something that his music will never have. Most music nowadays is about an artist, but my music, and probably a lot of you, our music was about groups. We had groups like the Temptations, and we had the uh, Backstreet Boys, we had NSYNC, Blackstreet, we had TLC, Destiny's Child. But you know what, one of the things about all these groups that most of them are not together anymore, and the reason was, was because there was confusion about who was in control and it caused them to split. You know, control. A lot of these groups, they forfeited all that they had, all that they had built, and gave up lifelong relationships because every member in the group wanted control. So we're gonna talk about that this morning. Control is defined in the Oxford English Dictionary as the power to influence or direct people's behavior or the course of events. In a similar way, the American Psychological Association, they define it as the authority, power, or influence over events, behaviors, situations, or people. But I wanna break it down to a better definition. The craving for control stems from the belief that I'm safer and more secure if I'm in control, if I'm in charge. Control is not a new thing, it actually came through our DNA, something that we need the Lord's help to overcome. This issue, it was passed down to us from Adam and Eve. We have never had control, just the illusion of control. So this morning, I wanna spend a few minutes talking about opening your hands. So let's pray together. Abba Father, we just welcome you in. We thank you that you would teach each of us through your word. Let us be aligned to you, open hearts, open ears right now, Father. Speak to each one of us in Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, if you need a Bible, our awesome ushers are gonna get you one. So raise your hand up and they will come straight to you. We're gonna hit on a bunch of scriptures. If you have your Bible, go with me to Genesis chapter two. You know, one of the greatest illustrations that we're gonna talk about in the illusion of control is in sports. How many of you, if you grew up playing sports, you had a superstition? You had a pair of socks you had to wear, a routine, anybody? If you were a baseball player, maybe you had a rally cap. You know, it's one of those, we think that we are actually in control. My daughter plays varsity basketball and we have a funny thing with another family that if we sit in a certain spot in the gym and this other family sits here, then you know what's crazy? The girls play better. The illusion of control. Tonight, all of you are gonna put on these cowboy jerseys. You are gonna sit in a certain spot and you know what? If we start playing bad, you're gonna move to another spot, right? Because we have the illusion of control. We're really not in control. Even as a parent, a lot of times, we try to control every aspect of our kids. As a business owner, we try to control the organization in every way, but it's just an illusion. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they had everything they needed. They had food, water, companionship with God. They had each other and they had a high calling. They had no fear, no anxiety, no depression. Why would they throw this away? Jump into Genesis chapter two. We're gonna start in verse 16. God had given them one limitation on their knowledge and their power. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Scripture tells us they threw it away ultimately because they weren't in control. The single boundary became the sticking point between their will and God's will. And seeing this, Satan pounced. If you skip over one page to chapter three, verse four and five, it says, no, you will certainly not die, the serpent lied. In fact, God knows that when you eat, if your eyes will be open, then you will be like him, knowing good and evil. See, with these words, Satan laid out the plan, the scam he's been running ever since, that the lie that any gap in our knowledge, any boundary on our power, or any limitation on our choice, that it's something to fear, challenge, or resist. It's a deception that Adam and Eve fell for, and you and I are still falling for it today. So instead of trusting ourselves that God's goodness, we believe that our own control will serve us better. We wanna control every situation, every angle of our lives. We ask Jesus at some age to come into our life, be the savior of our life. We proclaim his Lord, but really he's Lord only on our terms. Only whenever it fits in with what I see. God asks you to leave a job and you say, I will, but when you provide another. He asks you to dip, discipline yourself in a certain area of life, eating, maybe in your social media consumption, possibly it's a judgmental attitude, but you won't obey 
until you see the reward at the end because we wanna control the beginning, the middle, and the end. You know, I showed you a picture of our teenagers and one of the things that my teenagers do is that they just expect. They expect us to always have milk at the house. They don't know that I have to plan I have to go to the store, I have to pay for it, I have to buy it, come home. You know what kids do? They just expect and they receive. They expect that on cold days like this, there's gonna be heat, and then in the summer, there's gonna be AC. Do you know you and I are sons and daughters, and our job is to expect and to receive. But many of us are trying to be God. We try to be the parent. We try to be in control and we take every aspect and we maneuver it around. God didn't call us to be in charge. He said, you're my kid and I got you. So if you are constantly saying things like I'm so frustrated, I'm tired of this, I cannot take this much longer, guaranteed you're trying to be in control. Ask me how I know. Here's my sticker. Hi, I'm Amanda Bullen. I am a recovering control freak. You know what, this became an idol in my life. And I call this an idol because anything you have to have, it's an idol. Whether that be a Diet Coke, maybe a Louis Vuitton purse, or even the route that you took to church this morning. It can become an idol, always having to have control or your way. Romans 12, 2 in the New Testament says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, this starts in our mind and then moves to our actions, and then into our lifestyle. You know, when it says, do not be conformed to this world, you know, our world tells us we have to know it all, that we have to have an explanation for everything, that we have to fight for ourselves, or no one else will. This is not the kingdom way. If you're trying to control all situations, people, and keep it all going in every area of your life, can I tell you, you're gonna be frustrated and tired. It's not your job to be God. We read in Genesis three, and we saw the impact of Adam and Eve's decision, that because of their decision, it caused distance between them and God. Adam and Eve, they were still God's children, but it caused a wedge between them and Abba. You see, control, it will distance us between us and our Father. Where I work, we use this phrase, you can either have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. And so one of the exercises we do, I would love to do it with you, if you will take your hand and raise it up. Squeeze it, squeeze it tighter. Keep squeezing. If you have nails, you're digging in right now. Squeeze a little bit tighter. Just a second longer, squeeze. All right, let go. What you just did 
was you pulled in all the control and it kind of hurt and it didn't feel good. You know what happened when you released? It was almost like relief, right? Like, oh wow, my, my hand can actually function the way it's supposed to. And that's the same thing. When we try to control every aspect, we cut off the growth and the multiplication that God has. We suck off what God has intended to be healthy. So you can have growth or you can have control, but you cannot have both. An interesting fact that I found while studying, there are no Hebrew or Greek equivalents that naturally translate for our word in the English in the Bible, control. Now there are synonyms such as restraint, mastery, rule, reign, or force. The closest word that I found was inkritia, which means self-control, self-mastery, or temperance. But what is especially noteworthy about these biblical synonyms for control is whenever they appear in scripture, they're in reference to God. What makes this so important, control is a God category, not a human one. So how do I live this life with God in control and not me? 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2. It says the most important quality of one entrusted with such secrets is that they are faithful and that they are trustworthy. And then over a few chapters, 1 Peter 4.10 says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we are asked to be faithful trustworthy stewards. Say, I am a steward of God. Each one of us are called to be God's stewards, to manage that which belongs to him. While the Lord has graciously entrusted us with care, development, and enjoyment as everything he owns, we are still responsible to manage the holdings well and according to his desires and purposes, not ours. I work in the business world, and I looked up what it means to be a steward and an owner in the business realm. And in, in that, a steward is someone that has the intentional responsibility of something that has been entrusted to one's care. An owner is defined as someone with the skill of controlling. Interesting, right? So let's break this down. Have you tried to be an owner? Have you tried to be the one controlling everything? Because I have searched this from Genesis to Revelation and I cannot find any scriptures, none, where God shows us how to maintain power, how to control. But what I can find is several scriptures on being a steward. So let's break down what that word truly means. Because if we're called to do it, then we need to fully grasp and understand what it means. So the English word steward, it comes from the Anglo-Saxon word stig or sty, which means an enclosure or a hall. And the word weird, which means keeper. So a steward is a sty keeper. 
It is a person in charge of property or affairs of another person who is actually the true owner. And in the Greek, the steward word comes from okonomos, which means the person in charge of the household. In Hebrew, that word has been beef, son of the house. So the English, the Greek, and the Hebrew definition for steward, they help us indicate more, not just what this word means, but it's more about a relationship between that of an owner and that of a steward. A steward is someone that has to know the owner. You, in order to be called a steward, you have to be trusted by the master. In Psalms 24, it describes God as the head of the household. It says the world and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. The earth and all who live on it are his. You see, God's household is the earth. It's the world and all of it is his. And since a steward manages the owner's property, the steward must be faithful to the owner. Not only faithful, but they need to be a person of integrity, someone that's trustworthy. And they have to act in according to the owner's intentions. If you've ever worked somewhere and you didn't know your boss's intention, you didn't know their expectation, you have a hard time doing your job well. I think of athletics a lot in regards to a coach. A coach lays out the game plan. You know the coach's heart. His heart is to win and to see every single player function and work as a team. If you don't trust your coach, if you don't trust your boss, you don't know their intentions. If you know the intentions of your father God, then you could steward what he's given you to do and who that is on this earth well. So knowing his intentions is so important. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. You see, each one of us is a son or a daughter of Abba's house. What has he asked you to steward? You see, many times we hear stewardship in regards to money, but stewardship is so much more than finances. It actually is a lifestyle that permeates the kingdom throughout my life. The power of stewarding is knowing and trusting what the Lord has placed in your hands in this season. You see, a lot of times God's placed things in our hands. He's given us people and we're like, God, I, I don't like what you've placed in my hands. So I'm gonna take all this and I'm gonna say yes to all these things and then I'm gonna be mad at you and anger at you because you didn't bless those things. So I'm gonna ask you, what has God asked you to steward right now? Who is it that he's asked you to steward? One of the big dreams I had growing up was to play college sports. And I prayed and I worked my tail off and God opened a door and I ran track and cross country for the University of New Mexico. And you know, a lot of times what the enemy does is where God has placed you a lot of times, things that you prayed and believed for, you're there in the middle and you get frustrated and you get mad at God because you don't want to be there anymore. So I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I run all the time. I go to school, and I run, and then I run some more, and I go to practice, and then I run some more. 
And it felt like all I was doing was running and going to school. And I became very discontent where God had me. And I had friends that were going all over the world and they were serving God at 18, 19, 20, 21. And they were getting involved in local ministries that they were at at colleges. And I was in a place of frustration. And I would cry out to God and I would say, why did you put me here? Even though I would prayed for it. Even though this is what he had placed in my hands. And one day in my time with the Lord, I heard him say, how about you just be content where I have you and with the people I've placed you with? Because what I realized when Jesus started talking to me in that moment was that there are people on your team, there are people in your classes that I need you to reach for the kingdom of God that no other time in their life will they hear. But when you are dissatisfied with what I've given you to steward, you miss the kingdom opportunities around you. And so how many of us have walked around discontent in the season we're in and said, God, I don't wanna be here anymore. I don't wanna be at this job, but I'm gonna give you a different way. What if you said, God, you know what? If this is where I stay the rest of my life, I'm gonna steward it well. I'm gonna do it with excellence, because you know what? It's not about me. It's about you, God. When we choose to be good stewards, we are recognizing that all we have and that all we are belongs to God, and we are simply entrusted with it for a time. How are you stewarding your time? How are you stewarding your health? How are you stewarding the people that God has placed in your hands? You see, by managing these resources with wisdom and care, we are expressing our obedience to God and our faith in his plan and purposes for our lives. You see, stewardship isn't about how many things you can be balanced and be great at. It's a life that is surrendered to God in every season, a life that is fueled by a deep love of obedience to him, of what he's placed in your hands in this season. Author Francis Chan said, we are all stewards of God's resources, and the way we use them reveals what is in our hearts. Our use of God's resources is a reflection of our heart, a condition of our heart. It's not perfection, it's not a checklist. Stewardship is a way of life. So I asked you to turn to Luke 19. So let's set the stage on this. In this teaching, Jesus reveals that in this world, there are those who are with him and those who are against him. For the former, he also revealed that not all are alike in obedience. And this has everything to do with their kingdom usefulness and assignments of eternal stewardship. So let's start in verse 12. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Verse 13. Before he left, he called together his servants and divided among them minas, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. In the ESV version there on verse 13, it says, engage in business. So let me stop here because in my Bible at the top of this, it says in the meantime, because the point of this parable is in the meantime that Jesus is gonna come back, but what are we doing as the sons and daughters in the meantime? 
So in the meantime, are you just hanging out? Or are you in the family business? Because if you are a son and a daughter of Abba Father, guess what? We're all in the same family business. Now what we do functionally, it probably looks different depending on the giftings and talents. You know what the kingdom business is? It is kingdom restoration and kingdom expansion. That is our call. If you're wondering, God, what am I supposed to do right now in this season? I'm confused. Guess what? It's kingdom restoration and kingdom expansion. And he will give you direct plans on what that means for you. He will tell you that. So jump back in here. Verse 14. But his people hated him. And they sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to reign over us. So stop right there. We do not want him to reign us. We do not want him to control us. You see, the opposite of stewardship is control. The enemy comes in and lies because that's all he knows to do. Like he did to Eve in the garden, trying to dissuade people from following and obeying Jesus. He did it right here. Jump back to verse 15. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given minas to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. So again, let's make this clear. Let's make this certain here that Jesus will return. And just as certain is as he's gonna return is the accounting of the stewardship of giftings and assignments that he has granted to us. Be certain of that. He expects us to multiply. He expects us to have multiplication on what he's placed in our hands. And you picked up on that in your Bible there with those two servants. It makes it very clear that they said, it's your mina. God, this is your family. This is your resource of my home, your resource of my family, your job that you've placed me in, your giftings that you've placed inside of me, not mine, yours, God. You're the owner, not me. So I'm gonna take good care of it. Let's look on the opposite side, on verse 20. Then the other came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. You see, the report of the third servant was different from the previous two. Specifically, he had laid away. He had done nothing with the spiritual potential he had been granted to steward. This morning when I was spending time praying over this, God just hit on that, that laid away. How many of us in Western culture, we have laid away, I have laid away laying on the couch watching Netflix. I have laid away watching all the TikToks, all the reels. I have laid away because I'm scared to step out because I don't want rejection. I have laid away with what you've placed in my hands. But God, I'm still your kid. 
And guess what? He tells them, yeah, you are still my kid, but you laid away what I placed in you. You didn't multiply it and you did not expand your territory that I asked you to expand. And it says why he didn't do that. Verse 21, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Do you see the root cause for him laying away? The root cause is that he had not developed intimacy with the father. Therefore, he didn't know his heart or his purposes at all. And as a result, he lived from a faulty religious perception of God and he made his decisions accordingly. You see, a religious perception is that the master is a severe man and that I have to be afraid of him. But that's not our father. Can I tell you, if you are a son or a daughter of God, his heart is for you. If he's called you as a child, then you are to just be. We have to get rid of this orphan spirit that I have to do and I have to strive and I have to perform all the time. That's, that's not the heart of God. If you're a child, it's to receive and to expect. And this third servant, he laid away because he had this religious perception. I don't wanna screw up, God. Can I tell you how many times I've prayed, I've asked God and I've missed it? But you know what? My heart is, God, that I'm gonna step out. And if I do it wrong, guess what? You're gonna shift me. If I make the wrong decision, guess what? God will shift it and he will use it. If you're a child of God, he loves you and he is for you. It's hard to know the father's heart if you don't spend time with him. If you have a wrong perception, mindset on what a father is, you need to ask God to heal that. Because Abba Father, he's good. And if you've never experienced that, you need to get healing from him first and then it will shift your mindset and it opens up a whole new view of who he is. Verse 22, and he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not know. So why then did you put not my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. I'm gonna stop right here because verse 22 is one of the most misunderstood verses in the New Testament. A lot of words translate incorrectly when we translate the Bible to English. So that's why it's important you study the Bible and you find different translations. So I'm gonna break this down. So that word condemn actually in the Hebrew means krino, to distinguish, to decide, conclude, determine, decree. And that word wicked is the word poneros, which means derelict, lazy, degenerate, bad. But I wanna make a, a kind of make sure you understand that word wicked actually is different from the word wicked, kakos, which is in Matthew 24, 48, 
which is someone that is evil in character. So he wasn't calling him, you evil servant. He wasn't saying that. Jesus was saying right here that he was still his child. He was saying, but you're being lazy. So let me show you what it says. If we were to translate that over, inserting this into the text, it actually says, you derelict. You abandoned what I gave you. You neglected what I asked you to steward. And you deserted the purpose that I placed in your hands. He was still God's son. She was still God's daughter. But a derelict, let me explain what a derelict is. A derelict is a Christian that does not live out their purpose with the Lord. It is someone that leads a selfish life that feeds into the lie of, I'm going to control everything. That's what a derelict is. And so we see in this that derelicts are children of God, that they just neglected what God asked them to do, or they were lazy with what God asked them to do. How many of us have gotten lazy with the calling, with the purposes, with the giftings, with the talents, with the people that God has placed in our hands? Maybe it's because we don't like where we are, like I said earlier. Or is it the fact that I actually want to control it all, God? I want to understand how you're going to use my gift. I want to see the beginning, the middle, and the end. Show me it all, God, or else you don't get control. Or is it that you're just lazy? I just don't want to do it. Derelicts are in control, or at least they think they are. We all get to choose. We choose how we steward our body, our time, our resources, and the people that he's placed in our hands. Am I stewarding these well? Not perfectly, but am I putting the discipline and the energy towards stewarding what God has placed in my hands in this season? Go to verse 24. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10. And they said to him, Lord, he already has 10. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. You see, you can live this life as a son or a daughter of God. You can live this life as a Christian. And you could just not steward what he's placed in your hands. But I want you to see here what the consequences is. It doesn't say that he was flogged, he was sent to hell. It doesn't say that he was destroyed or imprisoned. But it specifically says that his minas, his resources were taken away from him and given to someone else to steward. If you are trustworthy, this should be a great place for you to say amen because the deal is, what God has placed in your hands, if you do not use it well, you're still his son or his daughter. But he's going to take it and give it to someone else who's going to multiply for the kingdom. He did not ask you to just stay here and occupy until he comes back. He didn't tell you to stay on this earth and talk about how terrible things have gotten or how this is such a scary place and I can't believe we have to raise our kids in this type of place. You know what he asked us to do? He asked us to steward. 
He asked us to engage in business. That means if God has given you kids in this season of this time on earth, then you steward them well for the kingdom. You do not just say, let the TV raise you. I'm gonna give you to the school to raise you. It is your job to steward those kids. It is your job to steward that job that he's given you. If you are in a workplace and you have a boss or a supervisor, you know what your job is? It's to pray over them. You're like, I don't like them. All the more, all the more. That is stewarding well. If you are a supervisor or a manager or a boss, your job is to pray and love the people that are on your team. What has God asked you to steward? What has he placed in your hands that maybe you've been frustrated with? God, I don't want to be here. I don't like this season. Can I tell you that I understand that? And it's okay to tell God that. It's okay to say, God, today I need your help because my goal is to get through today. I need you to give me grace. I need you to give me love because this season you called me to be in, Lord, I'll say yes and I will do this. But everything in me was screaming to get out. Can I tell you, God will grace you. And again, remember the season you're in. Yeah, you're in it, but it's not just about you. It's for kingdom expansion. And there's a lot of people that see you walk through hard seasons that you'll never know about. The kingdom of God, it expands through that of love. And if we're sitting in our season saying it's not fair, God, I don't wanna be here, I want what they have, you know what? We've become a lot like Adam and Eve, discontented with what God has placed in our hands. And God has put on his sons and daughters, he has put an anointing, you know what that anointing is? Multiplication. We see in the scripture that the 10 he multiplied to 10 more. And the five multiplied to five more. What God has placed in our hands, it's his. How are you multiplying it? I want everyone to stand up. And as I was talking, you may have heard me talk about Abba. He is a father, and if you don't know him as a father, if you've only known a religious perception that he's harsh, he's judgmental, but I wanna know this father. I don't wanna be an orphan anymore. I wanna be a son or a daughter. If that's you, I want you to come down here. And everybody else, what I want you to do, I just want you to bow your head and I want you to raise your hands up. Lord, right now we open our hands. And Lord, we open our hands in regards to what you've placed in them. I ask you, Lord, to show every man and woman that's in here, show them what you've placed in their hands that they can have multiplication on it. Maybe areas that they've taken on that you have not called them to in this season. I pray you reveal that right now. 
whether it's resources, people, positions. Speak to us, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Speak to us, Father. an issue with control. The illusion of control. That's a lie from the enemy. So let's break that this morning. If you've had that, I want you to come down here and I want you to just surrender that to God and repent for trying to control every aspect of your life being frustrated, being mad that he hasn't answered what you thought was his will, but actually it might have been yours. placed in your hands. Listen to me. He's not mad at you. He's a good dad. He wants you to do it well, not perfectly. If you want to partner with him and say, God, I, I want to hold these people you've placed in my hands. I want to love them well. Lord, the gifts and the talents you've placed in me, they're your giftings, they're not mine. And you know what? I've taken advantage of them. I've laid away and I've used my life for myself. I've been a derelict and I have just laid them away. But God, no more. I will stand up and I will do this with you. If that's you, I just want you to come down here and again, just open your hands to him. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.